My name is Padraig Tuma, and one of the things I love and admire about poetry, but also fear about poetry, is that it asks you to name deep truths. It asks you to open up lament, and it asks you to take away shallow comforts and to let the truth of what you wish to say in pain or the truth of what you wish to hear in acknowledgement rest true and to live with it. Lely Long Soldier's poem, Whereas My Eyes Land on the Shoreline. Whereas my eyes land on the shoreline of the arrival of Europeans in North America opened a new chapter in the history of native peoples. Because in others, I hate the act of laughing when hurt, injured, or in cases of danger. That bitter hiding. My daughter picks up new habits from friends. She'd been running, tripped, slid on knees and palms onto asphalt. They carried her into the kitchen. She just fell. She's bleeding. Deep red streams down her arms and legs, trails on white tile. I looked at her face. A smile quivered her, a laugh, a nervous Doing as her friends do, she braved new behaviour, feigned a grin. I couldn't name it, but I could spot it. Stop, my girl. If you're hurting, cry. Like that, she let it out, a flood from living room to bathroom. Then, a soft water pour, I washed carefully, light touch, clean, cotton to bandage. I faced her, I reminded. In our home, in our family, we are ourselves. Real feelings, be true. Yet I'm serious when I say I laugh reading the phrase, opened a new chapter. I can't help my body, I shake. The realisation that it took this phrase to show my daughter's quiver isn't new but a deep practice, very old. She's watching me. I was so struck by the way within which this poem takes um, legislation and takes um, official political documentation and engages with it in poetry. So often poetry or the arts can be seen as peripheral to the real stuff of political life. And this poem is a profound poetic engagement with the quality of public language, which is ultimately what poetry is. And it is ultimately also what politics is. The question of the quality of public language being used. Lily Long Soldier responded to uh, an apology, an inept apology that was given by the American president in 2009, Barack Obama. The title of this apology um, that came from the government is 35 words. It's a long title. Here it is. Joint resolution to acknowledge a long history of official depredation and ill-conceived policies by the federal government regarding Indian tribes and offer an apology to all native peoples on behalf of the United States. 
And it was an apology that wasn't read out and that didn't have any consultation or response from native peoples. An apology to native peoples without really acknowledging them. And the language was all about whereas this, whereas that, whereas that, we apologise and here's a disclaimer, you can't take us to court. And she takes those sentences of the whereas, 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 and writes a poem for each. And in this poem, it is one of 20 poems that begin with whereas by Lily Long Soldier in this book, where she is taking very seriously the content and the language being used and pushing them and criticising them and finding corners of protest and lament and finding corners to say language needs to be better than this. The structure of this poem is really fascinating because you open with a quote and a perspective where she says that she hates the act of laughing when hurt or injured or in danger. And then we're dropped into a story, a story of her daughter being carried into the kitchen after falling. She's bleeding and she's trying to quiver out his smile to be brave. And the speaker of the poem says not to. The speaker of the poem thinks, oh, my daughter's picked that up from her friends. And the speaker of the poem is saying, no, no, cry, you know, if you're hurt. And then it comes back back to the policy and she realises my daughter didn't learn this from her friends my daughter learned this from me and I have learned this from the way that the arrival of Europeans in North America opened a new chapter in the history of native peoples and she is beginning to recognise that it was in her and it's already being passed on to her daughter and her daughter has this deep practice very old and is watching her. So suddenly you hear this history being present in her daughter who she's comforting after having injured herself. She's realising that she's hidden the pain and I think this poem is proposing also that she has allowed somebody else to tell her what the acceptable level of acknowledging that pain in public is like. She in herself and others too, it seems to be suggesting, have taken the idea of saying, put on a brave face, don't cry, don't do this, don't lament in that way, lament in this way, don't acknowledge in that way, lament in this way. And that there's a power of the the censoring and somehow the editing about what lament for genocide should look like in public. And through the story of her daughter bleeding, she's recognising, and I think this poem is pushing to say, in light of this apology that was inept and ineffectual, actually we and I and this poem are proclaiming lament and the accusations that come from lament and the demand for acknowledgement that come from lament will be on our own terms and should not be dictated by somebody who wants you to laugh it off, put a brave face on it, move to quick apology, move to say, oh, but we're all friends now and we're in the healing process. This is saying, no, we haven't even done step one and I'm going to locate me back there and I'm going to recognise that throughout generations there has been this learnt behaviour of lament according to the terms by which lament will be acceptable and that's stopping.
His poem has such remarkable usage of particular words. Here's some of them. Land, shoreline, injured, danger, hiding, running, bleeding, deep red streams, trails on white tile, quivered, braved, feigned, a flood, faced, reminded, real, true, serious, shake, practice, old, watching. When you take out these words from this remarkable poem, you can hear so much of a repeated story of history happening over and over again, even in this story of her daughter injuring herself. And that has so much resonance of weaponry and war and survival and fear. This is a story about what's happening now and a story about what has been happening for a long time. And her daughter's in this story. In this poem, the fact that the apology was not read out loud by the president and also that no tribal leaders or official representatives from over 560 federally recognised tribes in the US were invited. This poem is saying, let's face that. Let's face each other. The line, I faced her. I reminded in our home, in our family, we are ourselves. Real feelings be true. That line seems to be a call to those who enacted the apology to pay attention to the how of apology and also the content of apology. A new chapter is the phrase in the apology. I mean, that's what you might say, you know, if you get married or if you move home or something lovely happens or maybe even something different happens, something that you weren't expecting and it's a new chapter instead of genocide, instead of the annihilation of your languages, instead of the degradation of the sophisticated systems of governance that you have um, amongst you that have been existing and flourishing for centuries. That's not a new chapter. That's a burning. This poem was filled with the most devastating critique of this very misleading statement and the fact that this misleading statement also has hidden within it the recognition that the arrival of European peoples was part of a project to try to make native peoples history not present. Something in this poem that I think is really interesting is um, it can be very hard to witness lament when you're in it. And for um, European descended people, um, it can be hard to hear the laments from people whose lives have been annihilated as a result of European policy and practice and stealing. And I'm not saying that for sympathy. I'm saying that because to say it's an accusation and it should be hard and harder than hard. And one of the things that this poem calls into mind is who is lament for? In this poem, the lament is for the speaker and her daughter and all before them. And the poem invites us to think about time and to think about how national traumas set something in place that will continue for a very long time in the minds of some and set things in place that will be relegated to the past in the imaginations of others. Because for some, what is taken away, land, sovereignty, language, governance, self-determination, for some, when that's taken away, it remains taken away. And I can hear European cries of, oh, but look, that was so long ago. But it's not long ago, because it's now, because those things were taken and they're still taken. 
lots of them were destroyed. Languages have been destroyed and they're still destroyed. And so it's not history. It's now and now and now. And it's the next generation too in the daughter and her daughter's daughters now. So one of the invitations of this poem is to pay attention to time and the need for lament and consider what repair, what bandage, what flood, what facing, what real feelings, what true what acknowledgement and actual apology is like. Daily Long Soldier's poem, Whereas My Eyes Land on the Shoreline. Whereas my eyes land on the shoreline of the arrival of Europeans in North America opened a new chapter in the history of native peoples. Because in others, I hate the act of laughing when hurt, injured, or in cases of danger, that bitter hiding. My daughter picks up new habits from friends. She'd been running, tripped, slid on knees and palms onto asphalt. They carried her into the kitchen. She just fell. She's bleeding. Deep red streams down her arms and legs, trails on white tile. I looked at her face. A smile quivered her, a laugh, a nervous Doing as her friends do, she braved new behaviour, feigned a grin. I couldn't name it, but I could spot it. Stop, my girl. If you're hurting, cry. Like that, she let it out, a flood from living room to bathroom. Then, a soft water pour, I washed carefully, light touch, clean cotton to bandage. I faced her, I reminded, in our home, in our family, we are ourselves, real feelings, be true. Yet I'm serious when I say I laugh reading the phrase, opened a new chapter. I can't help my body, I shake. The realisation that it took this phrase to show my daughter's quiver isn't new, but a deep practice, very old. She's watching me. Land on the Shoreline comes from Laylee Long Soldier's book, Whereas. Thank you to the Permissions Company on behalf of Grey Wolf Press, who gave us permission to use Laylee's poem. You can find a link to the poem in our show notes, along with Podrick's guiding question for this episode. Mm-hmm. 
Poetry Unbound is Chris Hegel, Aaron Colasacco, Siri Grassley, Eddie Gonzalez, Lillian Vo, Christiane Wartell, Gautam Shrikishan, Karen Navar Wiki, Karen Towie, Suarisa, and me, Lily Percy. Our music is composed and provided by Gautam Shrikishan and Blue Dot Sessions. This podcast is produced by On Being Studios, which is located on Dakota land. We also produce other podcasts you might enjoy, like On Being with Krista Tippett, Becoming Wise, and This Movie Changed Me. Find those wherever you like to listen. And if you want even more Podrick and poetry in your life, visit us at onbeing.org, where we've recently launched an entirely new way to experience poetry. Listen, watch, or read hundreds of poems from our collection. This podcast is produced by On Being Studios in Minneapolis, Minnesota.